All right, everybody, don't drop that fast forward button. The sponsorship roll call is about to begin. Energy Consulting Limited provides complete project management and general contracting services to a variety of private sector clients on both commercial and residential construction projects. They act as the owner's representatives through the planning, design, budgeting, scheduling, construction, and occupancy processes. Clients appreciate their open, honest, and flexible approach to achieving their project goals. Although they're located in Surrey, BC, Energy works on projects all over the province, including the growing cities of the north and the beautiful coastal towns of Vancouver Island. They're always excited to explore new places and develop relationships with professionals wherever their clients' interests may be. Abacus North is a firm that specializes in mortgage banking solutions for complex projects. In addition to providing financing solutions in a traditional mortgage broker capacity, Abacus North provides direct loans that range from $2 million to $25 million. On a syndicated basis, they provide mortgage banking solutions up to $300 million. In most cases, their in-house capital solutions can bridge financing gaps that traditional lenders are unable to service. They specialize in providing land acquisition loans, construction financing for large-scale developments, income-producing properties, and single-purpose facilities. With a portfolio that includes high-rise, mid-rise, and low-rise condominiums, townhouse developments, shopping centers, agricultural properties, industrial developments, and medical marijuana facilities, Abacus North is at the forefront of creative mortgage banking solutions with a focus on fostering long-term relationships. They are a multifaceted organization that services domestic and international clients with their mortgage banking needs. Complex financing solutions require analytical thinking well beyond a typical mortgage broker relationship. As a result, they focus on providing engineered solutions for their client. Their key differentiation strategy is that they assist clients in actively managing the capital stack in order to minimize borrowing costs while maximizing flexibility. Abacus North focuses on national and global opportunities. Ascentia CPA has a team of new-gen chartered professional accountants that are dedicated to advancing companies using expertise combined with emerging technologies. The team at Ascentia will implement the latest accounting technologies, allowing you to not only run a business, but to run a smart business that will excel in your industry. Their focus is to provide growth-centric, value-added, and timely accounting services for businesses, as well as individuals across Canada. Unlike standard accounting firms, by embracing cloud-based software, the team at Ascentia will provide you with real-time accounting information on a secure platform that is accessible anywhere at any time, allowing you to make better informed decisions and gain more controlled overview of your financial data. The reliability and expertise you will experience with the professionals at Ascentia will assist you in the preparation of corporate and personal tax returns, financial statements, bookkeeping, government filings, tax and estate planning, as well as business advisory services. For more information on the advantages of online accounting and to book a complimentary meeting online, be sure to visit ascentiacpa.ca. We are Okay, so Ethan and I both the last month have done the the carnivore diet. I know that I haven't talked about. Um, Ethan being on the carnivore diet, he's been on the podcast before, 
Uh, but we thought we could, because we've known each other for, what, about 10, 8, 10 years now? Yeah, 12 years, I think. 12 years? Yeah, yeah. so, like, we have quite a bit of history together, and, um, you know, like, we've done, you know, things together in the past, and we didn't start off uh, be able to do the uh, carnivore diet together, but it just kind of worked out that we were both doing it on the same month, so we wanted to do a wrap-up episode together. So, uh, cheers, Ethan. We're having a little Guinness tonight. Cheers. I'm fresh back from the overnight hike, and uh, Ethan's never had Guinness before, so let's see how this goes. <laughs> cheers. Thanks for having me, Blake. No problem. Uh, so, we were kind of talking before we started recording about um, not taking any supplementation, because Ethan was gracious enough to be able to bring me um, some of the supplements that uh, him and Dr. B came up with for uh, concussions. And it just so happens that there's a lot of ingredients in these supplements that are good uh, for the coronavirus and helping boost your immune system and stuff too. And I guess the disclaimer there is it won't help prevent or you know anything getting the coronavirus per se, but help boost your immune system um, to be able to help give you a fighting chance to be able to ward it off. Um, now that being said, what we were really talking about is supplements and being on any kind of supplements. And I said that that was the deal that I made with um, the team tracking all this is that I wasn't going to take anything to see if there was any effect on my body that um, would be just from meat. So one of the things that I did notice substantially by the end is cramping. Mm. I had lots of cramps. Like I had cramping in my left calf. It seemed like it was only on the left side of my body for some reason, but my left calf and um, my left forearm and bicep were like just for the last few days, especially pretty bad. Um, I got a lot of cramping in like my upper left abdominals and stuff, but uh, that was the one thing that I noticed like the most that I'm, I'm really not used to at all. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I didn't I didn't notice too much cramping myself. Like there was a few times where I had some cramping, but I, I tended to take I was still taking supplements unlike yourself. So yeah. I would take magnesium or I would use like a magnesium spray on the muscle that was cramping oh, and okay. rub that into the muscle, and I found that that really helped. So how come you decided to take like some of this? Just because like you knew that there'd be some things that would be lacking on the carnivore diet, or like what what was your reasoning behind? Well, I did some research uh, prior to starting, and uh, from a few doctors that I uh, that are big advocates for the carnivore diet, um, one of them recommended taking omega threes, uh, taking collagen, as well as taking uh, like bone broth to get calcium and boron from mm -hmm. and he said that those are kind of like the primary ones that you need to get because you're not really getting a whole lot from the carnivore diet unless yeah. you're eating like a ton of fish yeah to be omegas um so i, I just I, I figured that there would be some things lacking from not having any plants and only having meat so i still mm -hmm. wanted to keep up with the supplementation and especially with the whole coronavirus thing going on this past month while we were doing it yeah i figured it probably wouldn't hurt to be taking extra supplements yeah um, just to be on the safe side See, so like, and knowing like what he said, like what you just alluded to is like, that's the reason why that I decided not to, but decided to go with more variety of meats where I was like oysters, clams, mussels, you know, like tons of different fish, you know, beef, pork, lamb, like, like it all, you know, like in like organ meats and like all this kind of stuff, because I'm like, could you realistically not supplement at all? And as long as you, and not even really thinking about it, except for just thinking that you need the variety. Like, you know, beef was kind of my staple, which I think for most people that by default is probably just the easiest. So, like, every day I try to have, like, beef and something, you know, and, like, I ate a lot of bone marrow. You know, I probably mm -hmm. eat bone marrow at least every two days, and I'd have, like, tons of it. So, um, you know, like, I for, like, the collagen and all that kind of stuff, like, just 
like eating like the ligaments and like the tissues and all that kind of stuff. I really tried to go nose to tail, mm-hmm. um, you know, because like I have a hard time thinking that like a diet, any diet is good or any like way of eating is good if you need to supplement things in that's lacking. So then why not just have the things that's lacking? Because obviously it's not the best diet or best way to be able to eat if it's lacking in things because we're looking for like optimal performance. So optimal performance is like, well, if you're going to take these other things, you might as well just eat the food that has that in because there's going to be other benefit to that food as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I agree. Um, and today I was, I, I have like pill containers that I put my supplements in for each day and my girlfriend was asking me like, are you still going to be taking this many supplements if you continue with the carnivore diet? And I was thinking, saying no, that I'm probably going to cut it down because uh, just from like the idea of like, you know, the animals eating all the, all the veggies and they're absorbing the nutrients. Um, and then you're getting it directly from the meat. You probably don't need to be taking as many supplements. Mm-hmm. And when I originally was getting on to like lots of supplements was when I was on mostly plant-based diet, yeah. primarily plant-based and chicken-based. Yeah. And so I figured that um, from like my research in the plant industry that there's you know a se- severe lack of nutrients in the soil these days, which leads to lower quality of vitamins and minerals inside of the actual fruits and veggies themselves. I figured that. I pretty much have to be supplementing to make up for this lack of, of, you know, supplements that are in the actual food itself. But now that I've transitioned more to a full carnivore diet, I think I'm going to really cut down on the supplements, mm-hmm. um, which will help sort of weigh up, weigh some of the additional costs of buying more meat. Yeah. See, and you know, you bring up like a few really good points there because like, obviously everybody knows now I've transitioned into this plant-based diet. Um, you know, that, I don't know because there's no research that's actually done on the nutrient loss with inside the fruits and vegetables or if we're going on historical data of the amount of nutrients that was in fruits and vegetables because anybody who knows anything about farming now knows that the soil quality is terrible and the amount of uh, bioavailability or the bioavailability of these nutrients that once were in these fruits and vegetables isn't so much anymore and even if the nutrients are in the soil for people who want to make that argument is that when they're not vine ripened or they're not allowed to be able to ripen on the vine that they are not then getting the nutrient quality that you should be getting out of it anyway so you know it's like there's there's so many ways to be able to look at diet and nutrient nutrient quality that i think people want to pick apart the carnivore diet my big thing is at least you know it's quote unquote vine ripened or you know like is to its most mature stage or you know like if somebody is saying gonna say to me like you know like i'm gonna be on the carnivore diet and i'm only gonna eat red meat and i I would say to them like i don't think that's the best and the same reason why i tell people that i don't think the carnivore diet is the best i think there's a lot of myths that i've now learned that are uh are just myths so say like i would say to people like protein farts like I think that's the biggest myth now because I had zero gas. I didn't even burp or fart or anything when I was on the carnivore diet. Yeah, so like, yeah, I'm like, well, I don't understand. As soon as I started eating a plant-based diet, like now I'm like burping and farting all the time. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want the like. So like, I see these things that like we think that we know what we're talking about. You know, and even like people are putting out information. It's just like, well. Are, what debt are we really working off of? And, you know, maybe people are when they're looking at vitamins and minerals in plants that it's like, well, we are looking at nutrient quality in soil and we are looking at only vine-ripened ones. But if they are, or maybe they're not vine-ripened ones, but if they are, it's like, again, 
how do we know because that information is not available because I've researched that and it's not, mm-hmm. right? So again, like if you, like you're stuck at having to be able to take these vitamins and minerals no matter what you're on. So why not be on something that you feel better on? So let's get to there. Like how did you feel when you were on the carnivore diet? Uh, over the 31 days, I would say um, like better than I felt in, in, in months. Um, and I, I feel like this was probably the best uh, diet experience I had, even though it was probably the most restrictive diet that I've ever done. Yeah. Um, I just found it, like there was some cravings for like sugar and carbs in the first week, but I found after the first week, it, it basically went away. Um, uh, there, because it's so simple, it's it's very easy to stick to, and it's very easy to do your meal prep. Like I would just yeah. cook a huge batch of, of ground beef and like, you know, take some cans of salmon and make three or four cans of salmon and then mm-hmm. hard boil a bunch of eggs, cook some bacon, and then you're like set for, for meals for the next couple of days. And I know that it's it's simple because you're just gonna be eating those couple things and there's not really, you know, any of that questioning. Like, it's kind of like going back to like uh, like Mark Zuckerberg, he only, always wears the same clothing each day to limit his choices so that he can use his choices for other things. And I found mm-hmm. it's kind of a similar thing because um, often people put so much energy into their food choices or they don't put enough food energy into their food choices and make really bad food choices. But for people that are making good food choices, it, it can often consume a lot of your decision-making capabilities. Yeah. So I found that that really helped chunk down on that because it was just like, okay, I'm just going to eat you know, these three, four, five things. That's yeah. It. See, you know, and I found kind of like the same thing. Um, you know, it, it limits the amount of energy you have to put into it, but I found the energy spent on having to prepare it was longer. You know, because like a lot of the stuff that I eat, whether it be like raw food, like whole food, plant-based, it was like easy, easy to get, you know, because I love plantain chips, hummus, pickles, raw veggies, like all these things that are super easy. Mm. So now investing like all this time in cooking is, you know, I don't like a steak that's just three and a half minutes on one side or four minutes on one side, flip it. Like I slow cook my steak, you know, really low temperature, then pan seared afterwards. Like it takes like 45 minutes to be able to cook like a steak or, you know, or cooking lots of bacon. Yeah. I like it crispy. Well, you have like, you know, 16 pieces of bacon in a, a frying pan or you're baking it in the oven. Like it takes a long time to be able to get through it. So I found retraining myself into actually making, putting more effort into making these meals seemed a little harder and then the amount of food that I could start to eat per each meal got to be so high I found it to be incredible because it didn't make any sense like I'm like how can I eat two or three pounds of meat in a sitting feel great not feel bloated not feel full eat a half a cup of rice and have some like yellow dull and I'm like oh my god I'm so full, you know, and I have like a glass of water. It's like, why did I drink that water? I feel so full, you know, like I don't get it. Like I, I don't know if somebody can explain it well enough for me to comprehend. And I know what they say is the reason behind that, but it doesn't logically make any sense for how full you feel eating a very small quantity of food, but how you don't feel full after eating like an astronomically large amount of food when it comes to meat. So my question to you is like, did you start off eating less meat per meal and eat more? Or did you start eating more than start eating less during the month? Uh, I found the, fir- the first way. So uh, eating less at the beginning and 
and then I was finding that I wasn't, I was starting to have like some energy crashes around seven or eight in the, in the evening. So um, from some of my research, that was basically signaling that you need to be eating more food throughout the day. Um, so I, and, I, and going back to what you're talking about, about the meal prep time and whatnot, I found that uh, if I wasn't on top of meal prep and I had to make food, then yeah, it's like 45 minutes or an hour and you're wasting so much time cooking food. So then it really motivated me to get into like batch prepping for yeah. meal prep. So I spent like a few hours Sunday night making everything at the same time because like when you have the ground beef on, you can just let it sit for five to 10 minutes and put the bacon in, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And kind of, it's it's pretty easy to manage. It's not like uh, like veggies where you're chopping up all the veggies and you can only do one thing at a time. That actually is true. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting a cow and you're not cutting up the steaks yeah. yourself. And, yeah. and I was doing lots of sous vide so we just had like a giant, giant uh, okay. bucket full of water and we were just sous vide a whole bunch of meat in there. So yeah. trying to make it as easy as possible to make, to make a lot of the meat. So explain that. I didn't do that at all. Like, explain to me what you guys were, were doing. Like, like how did you come up with that? Like, why did you come up with that? Like, We've been uh, sous-viding for over a year now. Um, I, my, my uncle was telling me about this uh, about a year and a half ago before Christmas time. He was saying just, like, any food just becomes, like, the best food when you sous-vide it. So, like, really? the tenderest meat. And essentially the idea is when you're cooking it in water, you can set the temperature for, say, like, 140 degrees if you want, like, a medium well steak. And yeah. you would, it would per- cook it perfectly to 140 degrees and it would never go above it. And you could leave it in there for one hour and it would be done. Or you could leave it in for four or five hours and it would just become more and more tender. And it would never get overcooked and it would never lose any of its moisture because it's in a vacuum sealed bag. Yeah. And then essentially once you pull it out of the sous vide, you throw it onto like a cast iron pan or a frying pan and fry it each side for a minute or two. Uh, just to kind of get it, uh, give it yeah. a nice sear on it. And then you just eat it that way. And, and like you can buy a cheap steak and it will taste like... It'll be like a $10 steak and it'll taste like a $30, $40 steak in like a keg because yeah. it's so tender and juicy from the sous vide process. Wow. So I found that was kind of like a hack. You could buy cheaper meat, put it in the sous vide, and it still comes out tasting super good. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a lot less less money. So how do you feel about cooking your, your food in plastic? That's always kind of like the thing that's like got me, that's always stopped me with that process is like cooking it in plastic. Like, yeah. And I've never actually really researched it past like the visual and like the concept of cooking it in plastic, you know, like maybe like spend a little bit of time. Have, have you researched it all? Or? I have research, researched it a bit and all the, all the plastic that you use for the sous vide, it's considered food grade safe. Mm-hmm. So, um, you, I, I don't, I'm not a scientist. So I can actually go into like actual science of if it's actually leaching, if it's still food grade or not, I don't, yeah. I don't really know, but I'm hoping that if they say it's food safe, then it, it, it is food safe, I'm hoping. But what we ended up doing, because I don't really like using too much plastic, I try not to use plastic bags at the grocery store and stuff, so we bought some reusable silicone bags off Amazon. Okay. And then, so it's just a little silicone bag, just throw your meat in there, seal it up, throw it in the pot, and then just let it cook like that. And then oh, you can just throw them in the dishwasher, wash them out, and reuse them. Yeah. So that's what we've primarily been using is the, is the silicone bag. Yeah. Which would be like a great option for for people who aren't don't have like a, a allergy to silicone, but like and also don't like want to use plastic and stuff. But you know, it like it, it does make sense though. Like if you put the water temperature at like 140 degrees, that's kind of like smoking smoking meat, right? Like mm-hmm. you said to a certain temperature and it smokes it to that certain temperature. This would just be something that the face of it would look a little bit different, but the concept is exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, like we were doing uh, ribs where you leave them in for like 24 hours. Yeah. And like the next day, like it could be a cheap rack of ribs from Costco, but it comes out like super premium, like mm-hmm. fall off the bone tender, like wow. the best ribs you ever tasted. And just from doing it through the sous vide process. Yeah. So back to, I guess like, you know, kind of where we started is like, 
how much meat do you think that you were consuming per meal at the beginning and how much do you think that you were consuming at the end? Or um, well, I guess you haven't stopped though, right? Like you're planning on continuing on with the carnivore diet. Like how much meal meat are you eating right now? Yeah, so I would say on average, um, probably about a pound of ground beef a day, um, a can or two of salmon per day, uh, usually four to six of uh, hard-boiled eggs. Yep. Um, and then around four to six pieces of bacon usually per day. Um, but but at the beginning, yeah, I found it was a lot less that I was eating, and I've been ramping it up. And like you were saying, like I thought at first after just eating, you know six pieces of bacon and like six eggs that you'd be full but then you feel like you can still eat more and that. Yeah. so i've been like adding ground beef to that or adding salmon to that and uh just increasing it that way and like you said you don't really feel any bloating you don't feel like extra full like if you just went to a buffet and ate a whole yeah. bunch of rice and other like carby things see and it, when you talk about that like that's interesting because like i I started off eating like a pound of ground beef in a meal, <laughs> even before. Like that's just like how much uh, ground beef that I would eat in a meal, on top of all the other foods. So like in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm gonna have to eat more than a pound of ground beef at a meal because now I'm not having all this other food as well. So like, for, where like I find out is like I was tired of eating the meat because I was satiated. But I felt like I was missing something because I was used to eating all this other food. Mm. You know, so, and then it got to the point where, like, at the beginning I'd eat maybe three, four, you know, like, beef ribs. And, like, I would, that would be it. Like, I'd eat three, I'd push for four. Like, I'm like, I got this, Blake, we're going to do this. And then, like, by the end, I'd eat an entire rack, all seven beef ribs. And it'd be no problem. I could go run after. Yeah. And, like, that's... <laughs> To me, it's always been it because I hear this from people all the time. Is that like, well, what do I eat before a workout? Because I always feel like I'm gonna throw up after. And I've always felt the same way. But I'm, so I've always said, you know, like you have to find what you can digest best. You know, it's a process and all this. I would have never have told anybody to eat like a pound of ground beef <laughs> or seven beef ribs or you know like two three pounds of meat before a workout. But I could. I realize how. That is still hard on your digestive system. I realize how it still impacts your body, you know, but also I understand that when I was on the carnivore diet, my internal biological age per like the iHeart health meter was like in the mid twenties to high twenties. And I've been on a plant-based diet and I'm in my mid forties for fuck's sake. So like, you know, like there's like all this, like, you know, I, I just think that like when it comes to diet in our bodies, it's, it's so complex. It's so interesting. Like there's just there's such a dynamic about it that I don't know if we will really ever be able to truly understand it. Cause like what you said, you know, like we started off by eating like a little bit of meat, you know, like whether that was by choice of not wanting to eat more or just because you were satiated or you know, like what the reasoning was, but like you keep eating like more and more meat, but you arguably keep feeling a little bit better. You know, now I feel like towards the end, um, I've never really drank red wine in my entire life, but the last like three or four days, maybe actually even like the last week of being on the carnivore diet, for whatever reason, I craved red wine. Mm. I have no idea why. You know, and all the other cravings I had weren't really cravings, they were more thoughts. Like, oh, it'd be nice to have some chocolate right now, yeah. but it would be gone. Like, oh, it'd be nice to have some mashed potatoes, you know, because like my daughter would be eating mashed potatoes and it would just be gone. Like, all these things they would kind of slide in and out, but wanting to drink red wine was like 
I gotta do this right, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, I've never craved red wine ever, never really drank red wine ever, but like, I just craved it. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've never really drank red wine either, and never had a taste for it. <laughs> yeah. I wanted it, so. Yeah, you know what? I've gone 36 years without ever really drinking red wine, and you know, I've pounded back by like four bottles in like the last like 10 days, and I have no idea why. Like, but like, and now I don't even care. Now that I've stopped the carnivore diet, I'm, I'm like, I, I could care less about having a glass of wine. So it's, it's like, interesting. yeah, and I always like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm turning into a Viking, you know, I'm like eating meat all the time, I'm pounding back wine, you know, like in the back country, I'm just like, where's my ship, and you know, like, where's my big axe and my horn hat, or something like that, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, is there, so like, I, I see, like, like, as you, like, and I mean, maybe it is because, like, we see these things in movies, and they get, like, just implanted in our, in our brain, but, like, I, I see these narratives that are kind of always continually told and like I, I see myself like walking down each one of those roads like on these diets and stuff like that and like I really notice like you know like this real like ruthless kind of like like biking like kind of like you're not that like I, I didn't get anywhere aggressive if anything I got I went the opposite way I got more like passive I kind of went like I was down for like three or four days. I don't really know why, you know, like it was the only time in my life I really kind of felt down. And then as soon as I made a transition back onto a, like this plant-based diet, like I started eating these foods that I really like, started to feel great again. I noticed to do, let me ask you this from a performance standpoint. I really missed my fifth year and I noticed it so much more now because I got it back. Mm. Now, I don't know because I haven't done like the comparison for myself that if a carnivore diet is really good for a strength-based athlete, but not an endurance-based athlete. And I have heard the narrative from other like endurance-based athletes that they always kind of feel like they're missing like that high-performance gear that overdrive that fifth gear. Mm. Um, but the one thing from a strength perspective is I felt really weak, but most of the time I was strong. So it was this weird mental game that I was playing with myself. Then I'm like, I feel really weak. But then I go to the gym with the voice and I'm like, oh, I'm strong. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get it. You know, but when I came to do my testing at the end of the month, I was actually weak. I couldn't lift as much. Like my weights, like the weight stayed the same as the control metric, but all my reps were down. Mm, like I found that to be like, it was really hard on, on me. Like it was, I was not really expecting that going into it. Um, but it wasn't, you know, like even like my static wall squat was half the time, you know, I could barely even crack like two minutes and I was almost five minutes on the first time. So like, Mm. it's little things like that, that, okay, well, obviously I know this isn't for me and I always make the disclaimer for everybody. It's not that it's not for you or, you know, even for you, Ethan, that, you know, but I just know the way that I did and I tried to do it the best in only eating meat, but just. I tried to choose 15 different varieties of meat sources to be able to get it from for the different nutrient profiles, but I still didn't feel like I got what I needed out of it. Mm. Like, do you, looking back, like, and now I know that you were supplementing, like, like what you are going to do now, are you going to do this long-term? Like, is this something that you're going to really continue with, or is it just you want to take it past the 31 days? Like, what's your, your perspective? Uh, well, so since we lined this up a couple of days ago, I, I thought, you know, I should go back and try, you know, some of the classic foods that people eat not on carnivore diets. Like yeah, I've been waiting to do the pizza, pizza Friday yeah. night, had a couple beers Friday night, um, had some candy, yeah. and uh, and then last night I had a couple cinnamon buns, and yeah. like my gut's been hurting, my intestines been hurting, like 
like all day basically like feeling kind of like you need to poop but like yeah you go to poop and like you poop and then you're redone and yeah. then you still kind of have some pains in your stomach and I didn't have any of that when I was on the carnivore diet so after just going back to like normal food for a couple of days like, yeah. and feeling the pains again um, I'm like I think I want to go back to the carnivore diet and stick to it for a while have you noticed like anything else like besides just like you know maybe like some GI distress or you know like some like constipation or like things like that like did you notice like huge like energy drops or like did you notice like like your cravings for other things like enhance or like once you allowed yourself to be able to you know like walk down that road did you just want to gobble up everything like kind of like walk through the whole process uh like coming back into like regular food yeah mean? yeah cool. um, well regular food <laughs> i always wanted to subjective you know like what is regular food so regular food is not fucking cinnamon butter and, candy and all that shit that's just junk ass food yeah go coming back to junk food <laughs> <laughs> yeah i found that like once, once you start eating the junk food again you start having more cravings for it like once i have one cinnamon bun one second cinnamon bun or a third cinnamon bun or like once you have one beer then like sometimes you want more beer but i found like with the beer um I started to get like kind of like the bloating feeling in your stomach and after yeah. like two beers I was like yeah I don't really want it anymore like mm -hmm. I'm good and uh I also found that that beer had like a more more impactful effect like just having one or two beers felt a lot stronger uh, uh, yeah. now than than it did previously and yeah that, that, that might be because you know took a break from it but um and lowering the tolerance but yeah um see and this is the one thing that because I always thought too that it was just like you know like candy and like junk food and all that kind of stuff because you know it's ATP blocking it's not satiating so you like you eat more and this is the cycle you get into and this is how you become obese now the one thing that I found with the carnivore diet I know that I was eating like an absurd amount of food so like theoretically I should be stuffed but I never felt stuffed but I felt very satiated and I just felt like I wanted to stop eating now, going to a plant-based diet, I am chronically stuffed, like mm -hmm. just, just packed. Like, you know, like we got back from, uh, from hiking this weekend, got a bunch of Indian food and we ate it. And like, you know, we're talking alu parante, you know, basmati rice and, um, this like lentil dish with beans and, um, uh, veggie pakora, you know, like these kind of things. And like, you're sitting there like you're eating, you're eating like, and I eat Indian food all the time. So it's not even like them. Somebody can say, well, you're just craving this different flavors. Like it's not cause I eat Indian food all the time, but like, you just keep going back. You're like, I'm stuffed now. I'm like all oh, those veggie pakoras. I mean, down a couple more of those. Like, yeah, I'm stuffed. It's like, okay. Like, you know, like that alu gobi, you know, like it's just, I'm going to eat some and it's like, oh, there's like that alu prante. I'm going to have some of that, you know? Oh, yeah. And you're just, you're stuffed, but that's the value that I find actually with the carnivore diet is that you do get to this point where like you feel full abstractly and you kind of just stop eating. Mm -hmm. You know, like it wouldn't, it's not a conscious choice when you're on the carnivore diet that I'm full, I'm not going to eat anymore. This is the end of my meal. I'm not going to go back for seconds. It was more like, I'd be like cutting up a steak and I'd be like working or doing something on my phone and then I'd just kind of be, oh, I'm just kind of done. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, and you, may, you might have half a steak left, you might have a quarter of a steak left, you might eat the whole thing, but you're just kind of done and there's nothing past that. Yeah. But I find with everything else since then, it's like, oh, I could have another pickle. Oh, I could have a little bit more like veggies and hummus. Like, 
and all of a sudden you're just packed and then it sits heavy then you're uncomfortable and you're not you're like kind of adjusting how you're sitting and like you're like ah oh, man i just don't feel good but i didn't that that's the value to me being on the carnivore diet and i've never felt that on any diet i've ever done ever at any point in time yeah yeah same here and, and i can relate to your indian story um next to our to one of our insurance offices we have a uh, I didn't need a fair too. <laughs> That's where I got yeah. Oh, I need yeah. buffet, and so yeah. like I would sometimes go over there for lunchtime and just eat, you know, eat two or three plates full of like the rice and the butter chicken and the fish and everything. But then I'd go back to work and I'd be literally so full that I'd be basically in pain for the last four hours of the day, and yeah. and hardly be able to like work on my computer because my stomach is just like so full, so bloated, so hurting. Yeah. And, <laughs> and but you'd never feel like that after after yeah. like the the carnivore diet and you could eat like two or three steaks and and you just won't feel like that see and, and like that's the thing like and you, you make a good point i want to bring up here like it's not just from like indian food like it's from all food that's not just meat at a meal yeah and you know the same reason why like it wasn't just not feeling that way off a steak like i didn't feel like that way after you know, I ate like, you know, an entire half of a salmon or an entire rack of ribs or 20 pieces of bacon with, you know, 10 eggs, you know, like yeah. I never felt that way. Like, like no matter what I consumed, well, actually, sorry, I did feel, and I know that I, I have a tough time eating store-bought eggs. They just don't sit with me well. Farm fresh eggs. I can eat till the cows come home well, or till the chickens come home, however you want to think <laughs> like that. Um but store-bought eggs always hurt my stomach so that to me was the thing that I couldn't get past like if I eat store-bought eggs my stomach would hurt so like but if I eat farm fresh eggs I could eat a dozen eggs and like 10 pieces of bacon and feel totally fine you know so I find like those are the kind of things where is it wasn't even the type of meat that like I was consuming it was all meat when you only have meat. You never really feel that intense full. Mm -hmm. Like, do you find if anybody was to suggest doing the carnivore diet, that would be benefit to like retrain the way that people actually perceive being full? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think so. And like, and like you said, like I, I would, I after eating a big meal, like. You, the lack of feeling full or being bloated, like I feel, I would feel like sometimes I'd be like, maybe I should work out now, and but then I'd be like, you just ate like two steaks in my mind, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like maybe just take like an hour break and then do the workout, but you feel like you want to like, okay, what's next? But then if you're eating like a lot of carby type foods, um, I find that after eating, sometimes you just want to like go lay on the couch or like you know just sit down and not really do do much or be productive. So I found that um, like the day to day productivity. Um, just being an entrepreneur really helps as well because um, like you can go sit down eat your food and then get right back into like working without feeling like some cramps or just kind of like feeling lower energy that was another thing that I experienced a lot like, previously on the plant-based diet it was around like three to four o'clock after eating like a lot of a very like heavy plant-based diet lots of sweet potatoes and, and stuff like that um, I, would, I would get like a low energy crash yeah. And I was I was still experiencing some energy crashes on the carnivore diet, but I found it was later in the evening, like around 7 o'clock, and that was on days where I hadn't eaten enough food. Like if I was very busy in the afternoon and barely ate any food, then I would start having a crash. But as soon as you ate, theoretically then... be good anyway. You know, if you're starting to like crash around 7, 8 o'clock, like 
how we should be living our lives, yeah. like, would that technically, theoretically be good? Like, you'd yes. want to start to crash around 7, 8 o'clock. Yeah, definitely. Which is ironic, right? You know, like, it's, but now we fight it. Like you said, you found your system to be able to kind of fight it a little bit, you know, but to me, like, that just kind of makes sense. If you mm-hmm. start to crash around 7, 8 o'clock, you know, and by, like, 9, 10 o'clock, you'd probably be ready to go to bed. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. just kind of, like, slide and coast right in and stuff, right? Well, but and like, maybe we should talk about sleep as well. Like, uh, did you experience any difference in your sleep on the carnivore diet? Um, Better or worse? I would say that I didn't sleep, like, any, like, any, any worse. I feel like my sleeps were good. I actually find now that I switch, switch to a plant-based diet, I sleep worse not that I really actually recognize it, but more because I wake up in the morning and my pillows are everywhere and my blankets are everywhere. Like mm-hmm. I can tell I'm tossing and turning a lot. So if I'm tossing and turning a lot, like obviously I'm not sleeping as well, mm-hmm. you know, and I try to take into consideration. There's all these things like the coronavirus going on right now, like these diet changes, you know, like, you know, obviously not everybody's working as much right now or like, you know, you're trying to find new ways to be able to like, you know, work in like this whole, you know, COVID-19, you know, situation and stuff like that. But, you know, comparing like the both, like I definitely noticed that it seems like that I slept better on the carnivore diet, but I do feel like my daily energy is better eating a plant-based diet. Now, I say plant-based diet really loosely as in probably not like a plant-based diet, like what most people eat. My version of a plant-based diet is a lot more like a ketogenic diet. Now, the things that I really missed in my diet eating that actually fuel me very well, avocados, coconut oil, almond butter, milled flax, hemp hearts, chia seeds, like all these things I've spent a lot of time researching, putting the time and energy into knowing how they'll impact my body, which are things I predominantly always ate before. Since I started eating those things in, I feel a lot better. Like my mind feels a little bit more clear. I feel like I have a little bit more energy, but I also spent years researching all those things to get to that point, and I know how I feel by them. Um, so that's where like, I would feel like what I want to try is being predominantly on a carnivore diet, but just having those few things, like mm-hmm. avocado, coconut oil, you know, like how does that impact it? Because if I can eat a carnivore diet and have just maybe two or three other things, that kind of get my fifth gear back and my mental clarity back. Because I feel like my fifth gear comes from my mental clarity. Like they are both very synergistic. If I have one, I have the other. Mm. If I can bridge that gap, like to me, that'll thoroughly streamline me wanting to be on a carnivore diet. So like, I think at the end of all this, like that is something that I want to try um, and kind of nailing down a little bit more, um, you know, like where my meat sources like would come from and then doing a little bit more like the sleep tracking because. I technically slept a little bit more on the carnivore diet at the end, but I also didn't really need to wake up as early for work in the morning because mm-hmm. I wasn't training like early clients in the morning. So like, was it because of that or am I st- establishing this new sleeping pattern and routine because there's not the necessity to have to be able to get up right now that early because gyms are closed and people aren't working out like all and all these kind of things in the COVID-19 situation right but Mm -hmm. uh, how do you feel like your sleep was impacted Uh, I felt like my sleep improved a lot I have like the aura ring so it it tracks like the light sleep the deep sleep and the REM sleep and uh, prior to starting the carnivore diet I was I would look at my data 
uh, in the morning, and I'd see like multiple times where it, it was saying that I was awake for short blips, like like how you're talking about tossing and turning. Yeah. Uh, but I I wouldn't actually be awake at those times, and so I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, why why am I why is my REM sleep so low, and like why do I have all these awake times when I'm not actually waking up? And uh, and then I found that when I was on the carnivore diet, all those little blips of being awake, like most of them just went away, and I was getting way more deep sleep, way more REM sleep. Uh, um, a lot less of the, the, the blips of being awake and the tossing and turning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was finding that I cut down to about six hours a day. Usually I'm, I'm someone that needs like seven to eight hours of sleep, but I cut down to six hours a day and I was feeling great. I was getting up early, had lots of energy. Um, Which that's something that you and I have talked about extensively in the past. Mm-hmm. was like, you know, condensing your sleep but getting better quality sleep in that shorter period of time yes. and that actually being more beneficial to your overall day. So I think you're kind of like really starting to see how like that system works really well. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people would function off of a system like that very good. But when we go to bed and we get seven or eight hours of sleep, we just naturally think because you don't wake up to get a drink of water or go pee or adjust your pillow that you've slept that entire time. You know, but like once you start actually sleep tracking it like what you have now like what i've done in the past like i know of five hours of sleep consistently every night i can streamline my life like that because when you go to bed you go to bed you fall asleep in the first 10 seconds and you do not wake up until like you know you're going to get up in the morning and you are dead to the world yeah yeah i can sleep six hours get the same amount of deep sleep or REM sleep as if i sleep like eight or nine hours because i find like just the toss and turning goes up, the light sleep time goes up, and, and light sleep doesn't really provide too much benefit from, from what I found and from like the, what the research shows. So primary, like the most important ones to focus on are, are the deep sleep and the REM sleep, and I found that those both went up a lot on the carnivore diet compared to on a plant, primarily plant-based diet previously. So you talked about too about like, like kind of ditching some of the supplements that you were taking before. Um, like what supplements, because you, you alluded to a few that you were going to keep on taking. What ones, what other ones were you taking and which ones are you not going to take anymore? Uh, so I, I was taking some uh, digestive enzymes. Um, I might be cutting, I, I'll probably cut out those um, because I, I, when I was meeting with a, uh, like a gut specialist person, she, she thought that I may have had a thing called SIBO. Which yeah. is in like your lower in, or in your intestines, small intestines, small intestines. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and based on like sort of like the symptoms that I was having, describing them to her, she thought that I had SIBO, and it was probably from carbs and sugars. And I found that once when I cut out all the carbs and all the sugars, I was no longer having those pains that were related to that thing. So yeah, um, do you know there's actually a test that you can't get in Canada? It's an at-home kit, but if you have a PO box in the states, you can get it shipped to your PO box and go down and pick it up bring it back and you can like do the test and you can send it in to see if you actually have SIBO. Oh really? No, I didn't yeah. know about that. Yeah. I guess I'm going to be able to do it right now because I can't go over the border. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is actually kind of interesting. I never really <laughs> even thought about that, right? But um, but yeah, you know, like once the border uh, regulations get lifted and stuff like that, you should look into it and stuff because I think it's like 100, 120 bucks. Like it, it's expensive, but it's not going to break the bank. Um, but it, it's just nice to be able to kind of go through like those little at-home tests and see, you know, like because everything else is just kind of guess. Like mm-hmm. we have these pains, like it might be, but like these things are gonna actually tell you whether you do or not, right? Mm-hmm. And I've I've noticed that since I since like the last couple of days when I had like the carbs again and had some sugar again, the pain came back in my intestine. So yeah, um, it it 
it, doing the carnivore diet and doing like the full elimination of all those things for 30 days and then coming back to it, I think it, it really will, like if, if someone were to try it out there, it would really shed light on, on if, you know, if, if they're feeling worse after, you know, consuming these things again, that they thought, they may have thought, you know, they may have eaten for 20 years and thought, you know, this is just how I feel day to day, like, yeah. but it may actually be the certain foods that they're eating that is causing these different pains. And, and well, I think we all know that now, right? Like, yeah. I think it's pretty safe to say, like, if people feel like shit every day, it's because of the shitty food they're eating. Like, we just, that's thoroughly known, and there's just a huge population that doesn't want to accept that. Right? I think that we all actually kind of just generally know that now, right? I think there's yeah. no there's no line behind that now. But even smaller things, like I, I ate a very healthy diet primarily, but there was times where like you know Friday night I'd have some some drinks or I'd have yeah. some sugar here and there, but and then that would affect me the entire week just having like a Friday night or Saturday night of, of being kind of off of a of, of like a very clean diet. See, um, and I'm I'm actually really happy that you brought that up because it's something I've talked about on this podcast, like quite a few times and I and I especially talk about it with Ariel when I do my testing is that like people think like and that this is the problem I have with this 80-20 rule thing is that like if you justify like is usually 80-20 means that I'm gonna eat like shit all weekend and I'm gonna try to eat good during the week or I do eat good, good eat good during the week now the problem is that most people don't realize is how much like that weekend or like that day affects you for days afterwards so it's not like you immediately get back into like the groove of like okay well my body's functioning like optimally like like my systems are like functioning at full capacity like it's not like you are still at deficit for days after that Mm -hmm. and usually by the time you climb out of that rabbit hole you're looking at putting yourself back in that rabbit hole exactly yeah yeah so i'm really happy that you brought that up yeah and and going back to i didn't really answer your your question about performance and whatnot and during this past month like hockey was shut down because of the coronavirus thing and so I haven't really had anything to be doing like really high performance to kind of test like my aerobic aspect of it but just in terms of doing strength training I noticed that my weights went up I found it easier to do the same amount of weight and the same amount of reps um, that I was doing at the beginning of the month at the end of the month like it became easier Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, I felt like my my muscle mass on my body went up a lot even though I wasn't, I wasn't training super hard. Like I was doing a few sets a day, like uh, primarily strength based, not really like, not really like bodybuilding. But I was having like the best, like uh, sort of like muscle transformation that I had noticed uh, in the past few months, just like on this one month of, of eating primarily only meat. Yeah. Did you feel that your skin felt tired? Because I felt my skin felt way tighter. Uh yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if that was like you know just the, the muscles getting bigger or if it was your skin actually tightening, but yeah. I noticed that I lost uh, I I weighed my or I measured like my arms, my my stomach, my fat line, my legs, all yeah. that uh, before and after, and I lost two inches from around my belly, so like two okay. two inches of fat yeah. around my waist. Um, and I did a before and after picture, and you can notice like I did. I noticed that. Yeah, less, yeah. Your obliques were starting to come in, and yeah. like the separation between your obliques and your your abs were starting to come in. Like, yeah, you know, those pictures look great. Yeah. yeah so that, that was like the biggest transformation that I've had in thirty days, and I've tried a number of different things over the last like yeah. eight, seven, eight years, and this has definitely been like the best month that I've had in terms of just feeling really good, and then as well as having good body transformation and moving yeah. towards the goals that I want to have. See, and this is my thing, like, people are willing to starve themselves for a month, have, like, a juice-only diet for a month, you know, like, fast for a week or two weeks at a time, like, but it's amazing how resistant people are to, like, wanting to try to eat meat 
for a month or like 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 anything like there's just there's this immediate wall and like like I would I would say I'm kind of 60 40 for like you know what I want out of my life work I feel like 60% like negative 40% positive but I feel like the negative things if I could just add those couple like you know like the coconut oil maybe like avocados things like that into it you know like nuts and stuff like that yeah put those in I feel like it would then be like 90 10 um like really fast and and again i only say that through speculation because i actually don't know yet um you know but like i I really from like a performance and strength standpoint like i just i i feel like i don't know enough because in the month i was doing the carnivore diet was the entire month of the start and then to now of the coronavirus thing Mm -hmm. we're like you know working out kind of got like thrown off scale like you said you weren't doing as much hockey well I wasn't lifting as much weights, you know, then I wasn't playing as much squash, you know, so like, you know, like my cardiovascular system's not as optimal as what it usually is, which is also going to help fuel my muscles, you know, with oxygen when I'm lifting my weights, you know, so is that my weights down from that. When I was lifting weights, I wasn't doing the same exercises I would normally be doing in a gym. So obviously if I'm not doing those, I'm not going to get the spinoff benefit of like when I go to the testing. So there's all these variables that come into play, but again, the one thing that was tough for me going into it was my mind wasn't into it. And that's what I have a tough time with because I always say your body's already strong. Your mind just wants to have to do it, mm-hmm. right? So, like, that's what I felt was missing. I don't feel like my body couldn't do it. My mind wasn't sharp how it usually is. And that threw me off my game, which I I almost hate. The, it's like listening to music doing cardio. Mm. I don't like that I have to listen to music to run. But running so fucking boring that yeah. you have to listen to music to run. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate to listen to my feet pound and my breath is heavy. Like all I don't like to listen to any of those things. I just want to run and listen to music. I find it. But I have this crutch. So now I kind of feel like you know, can I? Even though my body's strong enough to do the same thing, can I still do it without this little bit of a crutch, which I feel is like maybe like coconut oil or like avocados, like things like that, like. Does it does it really make that big of a difference? And but again, I've also put the research into knowing that they do have compounds in them that does make that it will mm-hmm. hedge the bet. So is it kind of proving what I've researched all this time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of leaning towards uh, kind of like what you're talking about. Like, uh, I think the best aspects of the carnivore diet is cutting out the sugar, cutting out the the carbohydrates, cutting out alcohol, cutting out like all the bad things like the processed foods that people will typically eat throughout the week or even, you know, even if it's just one time a week, it could screw them up. Um, but, so I think if you were eating like say primarily 80, 80% meat and like lots of red meat and then adding in like those, uh, the coconut oil and the almond butter mm-hmm. and like those different, like very high quality, very high fat, low carb, uh, plant-based foods that, that you say like that your body really runs well on. I think that would be like probably the best possible diet. And that's probably what I'm going to go towards is like, primarily meat but then also having some of those things like hemp seeds um having some nuts because like uh, there are there there are certain vegetables and certain nuts and stuff that they're probably a lot more beneficial to have in your diet than not to have in your diet Mm. um uh there there are some veggies that you know uh might have plant lectins or other things that could potentially cause more issues with inside of your gut than than benefit so Um, kind of like what Stephen Gundry is always talking about um, and uh, so, so yeah I think the, kind of like the very very best diet would be primarily like 80 to 90 percent meat 
but then also adding in some of these very high fat but very high quality uh, yeah. natural foods as well. See, it's funny because like Priscilla has been on my podcast now. Like um, we actually met because you know like being on this carnivore diet. Like she lives in Wisconsin, um, and like she just recently started adding like avocado back to her diet. She's been on a carnivore diet for like eight or ten months, and has realized there is something kind of like it it is kind of caught up with her a little bit now and she's big in a variety like lots of organ meats you know like lots of variety of meat so it's not like she was backed into like this like dirty carnivore side where it's like um you know like bacon and just like all this like shitty kind of meat Mm -hmm. like she's very diligent at like you know getting like the variety so like it's funny that you say that because you know it's how I feel it's like and I feel like there's like this big part of like a like a hybrid carnivore community that's like carnivore diet is great like being satiated you know like feeling clean feeling good but you're kind of just missing a few little things and like that could make all the difference because it seems like that's where this hybrid community is coming out and that is what I think is probably the best at the end of the day just knowing that even like the fact I've gained 10 pounds in four days being on a plant-based diet, oh, wow. you know, like that, like to me, like I can't even remember the last time I was like 180 pounds. <laughs> it's crazy to me to even think that like my weight is that much in like in that short period of time, you know, but it makes me realize that like I also, once I get about over about a 170, 171, I start to feel very slow in like mm-hmm. all my explosive sports. Like, even if I have my cognitive capacity back to be very sharp, explosive, and fast, if I can't move my body because I have way too much to be able to do that, like that's clearly not beneficial either. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. You know, like where I have this thing that's too heavy to move, you know, like I really want to move it that way versus <laughs> before I had this thing that was light and really easy to move, but I couldn't quite move it as fast as I wanted. Yeah, to. your mind didn't feel like you wanted to move that fast. Yeah, you know, so it's like you look at all these things and this is the reason why that I want to have these conversations with people like you and the reason why I air so much of them myself now and like Priscilla and like all these people because it's like this is how much diet affects your body. This is how much diet affects your mind. These are the things that you will immediately feel. These are the immediate changes. And like, this is what life is like. And if anybody takes anything away from them is, like you said, we have to start changing our diet and then looking at, okay, once we do start changing it, these are the effects that we all feel because food does play this big of a role in our body. So when you're putting a bunch of fake ass food in your body, convincing yourself that you feel great ending up with diabetes in your or being at high risk for diabetes then you look at with something like COVID-19 comes along I'm thoroughly convinced with like the amount of health benefits that would come from a primarily like good quality meat-based diet with supplementing like a few other things into it to bring up like your overall health would help people fight off things like COVID-19 when they do come around because of the fact that you're not in that same category where you have, you know, small intestine bacterial overgrowth, where you have diabetes, where you have heart disease. Like, like we're not getting these things. We don't see people with these things from eating a predominantly meat-based diet. And people can say I'm full of shit all they want, but there is enough actual real doctors who are on the carnivore diet now who are tracking, you know, like their blood work, who are doing these things to realize that there is something worthy of researching here but we do all start kind of come back around and saying, but it's missing a little bit of something, mm-hmm. right? 
Yeah, and and I've I've listened to a few different conversations about like you know is carnivore diet good or is it bad for you? What are potential risks? And what they really explained was that it's it's all gonna be like sort of anecdotal when it comes to diets like this because it's so hard to track people over like a multi-year program of this this subset is doing carnivore only, this subset's doing a mixture, this subset's doing only plant-based, and making sure that they all stick to that for over that entire you know course of the study and just all the different variables yeah. that go into each person's individual life is just pretty much impossible for them to ever actually do a study and come out with a aha, plant-based diet yeah. is the best because we tested you know for five years against against carnivores or anything. And make like sure that, that Nobody's has a death in the family. Nobody gets divorced. Nobody has a kid. Everybody works out the same. There's no COVID nineteen. Like, yeah. <laughs> like all like there like that thing is like all these things do skew those results when you aren't eating healthy or eating a diet of a certain like component. But like, like those are the things that like we really need to take into consideration too. Is that why we might need some fluidity like in our diet? But again, coming back away from that. If I've gained anything in the few short days of being on this plant-based diet, is something that I already knew is that like my body and like carbohydrates are just they're not friends. Like at all. Like we don't we don't get along. They're not beneficial to me. I I I do not need them. I'm a fat adapted person, thoroughly one hundred percent. And that's why I feel like the carnivore diet for me has a great potential because eating like high fat meats or like you know cooking my meat in bone marrow fat and you know eating like high fatty fish and like you know and something like so many like coconut oils and like olive oils these things are fat based products that's why i feel like it's so beneficial because carbs in our carb society our carb carb culture and the 10 million ways you can consume carbohydrates for the one good plant-based meal or the one good carnivore meal or the one good ketogenic meal is so skewed, but that is how our population is living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really crazy like how many things have sugar and carbs in them when you when you go to like a diet like this where you're like can't eat any of those. It's like holy crap, like everything has like so much sugar in it, <laughs> like so many carbs and and yeah, um when you look at it from the, the point of view like where you said that where I don't think a lot of people want to realize or admit, like, to me, the eye winner is, like, pasta sauce. Like, tell me why pasta sauce needs to have sugar in it. When <laughs> pasta sauce is about flavoring with herbs, like fresh herbs, you have, like, fresh basil and, like, things like this in it, but we've substituted even that for sugar. Like, let's put some tomatoes, sugar, and some basil, because, like, that's what, that's what we want to be able to taste good. Then you put it on this pasta that has like genetically modified wheat and then it has also sugar in that and then it's like this flour and it's like all this garbage it's just like garbage stack on garbage stack on top of garbage and then when people say to me like garbage <laughs> yeah and it's like well but they're like like you know like your triglyceride levels are gonna go up and like your cholesterol levels gonna go up and i'm like i'm like yes you know maybe like theoretically but you can't tell me that like people are healthier eating the typical North American diet. So, like, are you healthier eating a carnivore diet than the typical American diet, but maybe not as healthy as what a preferred diet is? Absolutely. I still think a carnivore diet, it would be better for almost 99% of our population because 99% of the population eats like shit. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like that, that, 
that interesting flow of how that's really going to play into it. But the resistance towards people wanting to be able to predominantly consume meat to me is like astronomically high. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times people, it, it goes back to like, and, and kind of the whole reason that I started getting into more of a plant-based diet in university was I was studying like environmental, some environmental classes and stuff like that. So I, I was aware of the impacts of like um, industrial agriculture and whatnot. And, but a, a lot of people don't think about, you know, the, the whole soy industry and the corn industry and, and like all these big huge monocrops that are supporting the vegan and the vegetarian industries and all like the mice and the bugs and the birds that they're all killing in that ecosystem because they're just creating that thousand acre soybean farm and destroying everything else that was there and so so sometimes people think like oh you know I'm, I'm being better for the environment by eating just a vegan based diet but like they're having to you know destroy all this ecosystem to create your big mono monocrop you know, farm to, to produce all the soy that's in those, in those yep. things. And then when, when you do look at like what's in actual, like, you know, veggie patties or these different like vegan and vegetarian things, like there's a lot of weird like chemicals and stuff in it, but, um, you know, like, or, or just weird like mixtures that like my girlfriend's a chef and she like will sometimes read the ingredients and be like, do you know what's actually in this vegetarian thing? And, yeah. and I thought like be like eating primary plant-based diet was the best thing. Cause that's, what they kind of pitch in university and like and that's what really has been like the big you know uh thing over the last five years or so has been moving towards more plant-based diet cut down on the meat mm-hmm. um but I, I found that doing that myself i was feeling worse and worse over the years like i was having feeling more depressed feeling more tired i wasn't losing like i, I even though i was eating mostly meat mostly plant i, I still had a layer of fat on my stomach and that i just couldn't figure out like you know why why won't this go away like i'm eating all these plants and just chicken, like not eating breads and stuff like that, like, mm-hmm. and and still just wasn't feeling that great. So then I thought, okay, well, like, well, if you know, if plants aren't working, why don't I just try a complete one eighty and just see how my body feels? And, and I think people should should be open to the idea and and be willing to at least try it for a couple weeks just to see how their own personal body reacts. Because each person's gonna have different reactions to different things, your different food allergies and stuff, mm-hmm. but. It's good to just have the awareness of trying fully plant-based, trying fully carnivore, like what you're doing, and then seeing what actually works for you personally and your own personal systems. Which people won't, right? And, like, and we know that like people, people want to be told, instead of just being told to experiment, people want to be told like what to eat, but people actually don't really want to be told what to eat either because it's like, well, I actually don't really want to eat like that. Like People, I think, just want to be told how what they're doing is okay. Yeah. And like being like, you know, either overweight or, you know, having underlying health conditions or just keep on eating pizza and Chinese food and like sour cues when you want and, you know, like Reese's peanut butter cups when you want, like just that, all that stuff is just perpetually okay. But like, it really is not like we have never ate like how we're eating like right now ever in human history at all. And I think like the, when it comes to like industrial farming, because I've had this, this, this question posed to me like a few times, like, well, okay, but if, if you tell people or if you convince people or if you suggest that people go on a carnivore diet, it's going to make industrial agriculture worse and it has such a detrimental impact on our environment. I'm like, yes, however, but we can actually reduce industrial agriculture by people being on a carnivore diet because I feel like if people are going to be on a carnivore diet that, and I've said this before on the podcast, that you have a social responsibility to educate people to eat nose to tail. 
-hmm. So industrial agriculture right now, like you are probably throwing away like the tongues, the cheeks, like the livers, the kidneys, the hearts, like, you know, like all of these things that are like great quality nutrients. They should be in our grocery stores beside the steaks, beside Mm -hmm. the ground beef, but they're not. You know, it's like we should be using these things and laying them on saying like, we need to re-normalize eating organ meat because it's only been, what, maybe the last 60 to 80 years that people stopped eating organ meat. And there's still a lot of countries and, you know, cultures in the world that eat organ meat because mm-hmm. they know how nutritionally beneficial it is or just different parts of it. So if we encourage people to actually eat nose to tail, I do think we would massively reduce industrial agriculture if more people started eating the carnivore diet because of how much we waste. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I really come at, like, you know, vegans and vegetarians with this because they bitch about how, like, the waste that there is in, like, the meat industry and, like, how bad meat is. It's like, well, think of how many years have gone by, and even still to this day, that supermarkets will only accept nice-looking fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. And they people don't realize, and I know enough farmers, and I've been a farmer in my lifetime to know that a lot of produce, fruits and vegetables, get wasted before it even gets to a grocery store because it doesn't look grocery store quality mm-hmm. simply based on appearance and you know about a year ago we went that whole like ugly fruit and ugly vegetable campaign where's that now yeah. it's gone we yeah. don't even talk about it anymore it lasted maybe like a month or two like they had ads for it. there was ads on tv and in newspapers and magazines and all this kind of stuff and now it's just completely gone because people don't want to see ugly produce you know, so again, that's like having like a tongue or a liver, or a kidney beside the ground beef. Like it's just not gonna happen. Never mind the amount of waste from all those fruits and vegetables that just get tossed out in like the food waste bins or the garbage cans because people don't buy them before they expire. Mm-hmm. So there's a ton of waste there too. So like I think that we are just a wasteful culture. And when we educate people more on wasting less and consuming responsibly that we do have a way to be able to lessen the impact on the world. And I think the carnivore community has the obligation to be able to do that when it comes to eating nose to tail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if you just think of like how many more people it would feed each year if they just started, you know, selling the livers, the hearts, all the different organs out of the cows that they're only selling like the steaks from, basically. How many more people that would feed each year um, if they were, you know, on carnivore diet. Like you wouldn't even need to produce more, uh, any more cows. Like if, if if people were on the carnivore diet and they're eating those to tail and they just started eating less steak and more hearts, more livers, more kidneys, then you know, you wouldn't even need to produce anymore probably. Well and, and those transition. Yeah. yeah, you know, like we're in the end that is a good point. Like even if people are consuming more, you know, but then like arguably then like when our soil quality compares to like a somebody who's vegan like wouldn't go up because then there would be more product available for them, there'd be less imprint of these like vegan, um, you know, like like crops and stuff like you said, like with monocropping, you know, where it just robs our soil of all the nutrients and stuff. Like maybe like there's positives for all these little different communities on all these little different diets because, you know, everybody would have something that's slightly better. Mm-hmm. You know, like vegans could have slightly better vegetables because there's less impact. You know, carnivores could have slightly better meat because there's more options readily available to them. Like Maybe everybody could prosper from it, but like yeah. when we get on to the point where the only thing that we want to focus on is how can I attack the reason why the other person's system is wrong, you know, and like that's what you said. Like it's not like you've come here today and you said 
like vegans are full of shit. You just said like this is what I was doing. It just simply wasn't working for me. That that's all you said. Mm-hmm. You're like this wasn't working, so I switched to this. You know, so like you came into this from like a plant based diet predominantly. I came into this from like you know pretty much like a ketogenic point of view. So we kind of both started off on different components, which. I realize now how much a ketogenic diet is almost like a vegan diet because a lot of like your your sources for fat are plant based, mm-hmm. you know. So or like on a more of a clean ketogenic perspective, I should say, you know. But so we both come at it from like this different angle, but we're both never trying to say that like anything is bad. But again, experimenting to find out like what's good for you because if somebody would have told you six months ago or a year ago that like a carnivore diet is actually going to give you the best body that you've ever had you probably would have thought they were full of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a year ago, yeah. And even, you know, four or five days in, I, I started to have, like, like, I didn't poop for a couple of days, and then so I started, like, Googling, like, is it normal not to poop on the carnivore diet? And then, like, I've seen, like, some people, like, say they haven't pooped for, like, two weeks, and I'm like, holy yeah. crap, like, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, so even just get kind of getting into it, like, we've been so preconditioned in our society that you need to eat veggies and you need to have fiber and stuff that I was kind of doubting it myself, even going into it. I'm like, am, am I like going to kill myself here? Yeah. Or like, am I going to do something seriously wrong? But, um, after the first four or five days, like your poop started getting back to normal. And then it, I just felt great afterwards. Like there was a couple days here and there where you didn't feel that great, but, um, I, that's all part of the adjustment process, I believe. Yeah. See, and it's interesting that you say that because I've talked to this with dietitians and nutritionists and stuff and they're just like, there's no way that your stool is going to be the, like the same consistency or like it's going to be off and you know, like you need fiber in your diet. And I've told them all, I'm like, you're wrong. You, like, I know you're wrong now because like, I lived for 30 days on this diet and I never got like the crazy diarrhea that people say that like you're typically going to get. My stool color changed to predominantly black, like what they say, like yep. your stool will change to. But I'm like, the consistency was exactly the same as like, you know, when I was eating any other way that I've normally ever ate, like nothing changed and I was consuming no fiber. Mm. So explain that to me then. Yeah. I was actually finding that previously when I was mostly eating plants, that I was eating, I was, I was pooing four to six times a day, and like a lot of the times it would be like almost like explosive like diarrhea, like they would say that you would get on the carnivore diet, but then when I went to the carnivore diet, my poops normalized yeah. more than they were previously. So, and again, like that would then lead you to believe that like something that had to do with like the types of food that you were eating when you were on the plant-based diet, or, you know, like just something about that that doesn't necessarily agree with you, where it may for somebody else, but like you just know it's not for you, but you are willing to be able to experiment, to be able to make those changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and just stick with it long enough to actually, you know, let your body work through the process and see what actually happens at the yeah. end. So uh, before we wrap things up, just where, where are you going now? Like, well, what's it, what's it going to take for you? Like, are you like, this is even for now forever, or is it just even for another month? Like, what is it? Uh, I think for, for like the, the, the rest of the spring and the summer, I'm going to try and do like 80 to 90% carnivore diets. Um, I, I will be adding in like some, some broccoli, some lettuce, trying some nuts, uh, trying like the coconut oil that you're talking about, almond butter, just adding those things in and seeing how my body reacts. But uh, kind of like the baseline that I'll keep going back to, I think, is going to be like primarily uh, just only meat. So mm-hmm. like I might... If I, if I do, say, have, like, some pains after eating, adding some certain foods, then I might go back to just meat only for, like, say, a week and then try adding back in, like, that certain food and see if I have the same thing. And yeah. then I can kind of then specifically know, 
which foods my body likes, which ones it doesn't react well to, which ones cause adverse effects that I don't want to be experiencing. Um, another thing that we haven't really talked about yet was uh, I, I, for all my life, I've always been like kind of stuffed up and kind of had like a like kind of nasal congestion, kind of like in the throat and then in, in the nose area, which made it difficult when I was like doing high aerobic exercise. Like I, I found like I wouldn't be able to breathe enough air through my nose, so I'd have to be breathing through my mouth. Mm -hmm. But since I did the carnivore diet, um, that completely went away. I was no longer like blowing my nose and having all this mucus come out. I was able to breathe fully through my nose, um, which I found helped with uh, exercise and working out um, because I could just breathe a lot better through my nose and get more oxygen into my body. Did you consume a lot of dairy products before? I know you say you're probably plant-based because they people always. The reason why I ask, and I know you say you're probably plant-based, that's why I threw it in there. Um, is because people always can contribute a mucus buildup with dairy products. Mm -hmm. And I've always kind of like, oh, I kind of agree, I kind of don't agree, because sometimes that happens to me, but sometimes I know it's not from dairy products. And where you say that, I actually find in, again, I have such a hard time because like, I, I analyze too much. So like, okay, I switched this plant-based diet, I'm out in the backcountry all the weekend, and I'm just like, my nose is running and you're like, I'm constantly hacking stuff up. This morning I'm like yeah. hacking stuff up. I'm like, well, I was on the back of like a couple weeks ago, all weekend long on the carnivore diet. The same thing as now on the back of all weekend on a plant-based diet. And I wasn't like that at all. Mm -hmm. You know, so, and I don't consume dairy products on either one of these diets. So what's the deal? Yeah, like, you I know, try and avoid dairy products because uh, like, I have a bit of like I have eczema when I get I get eczema when I eat dairy products and I think yeah. I'm a bit lactose intolerant so I definitely notice that when I do eat dairy products like that will make it even worse but I feel like I, I don't think it's just the dairy products like, I think it might be the carbs or maybe it's like uh, like bread products or something like that mm -hmm. um, but I, I've noticed in the past three days since I've broken the carnivore diet that like you said like my nose has been more stuffy and I've been having more phlegm in my throat and and just like coughing up more things than. See, and these are the things, like, when we talk about this right now, that based on traditional knowledge and traditional way of thinking, people are like, no, 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 you're wrong. It's like, no, like, I live this. I, yeah. I live in this body. I'm doing this every day. I know that that's not true. You know, and I know what you're saying because I know exactly what you're talking about because I never really thought about before until I went into the backcountry this weekend. I'm like, what is the difference? Mm -hmm. I'm like, the allergen levels, like, really aren't that much higher you know, from like two weeks ago in comparison with like what they are now, because it hasn't really been nice. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it was nicer two weeks ago. Yeah, it was nicer two weeks ago. So like, okay, well, like that can't really be, there's been this dietary change. Now you're saying that, I'm like, well, obviously there's something to do with like, you know, like dietary changes that, you know, brings up like your mucus buildup like in your body. Like where I'm thinking like, well, my body's only gonna bring up the mucus level in it for a specific reason. like it's triggering this response in my body that it needs to get rid of things like through a, a you know having excess mucus in my body what is it trying to get rid of and why and what am i doing to that that's making eat like that and obviously you've been down that road too mm -hmm. yeah i've experienced that as well yeah. so that must be refreshing for you like you know because to finally figure these things out like like that's gold like like yeah. that's like personal gold for you right yeah like the breathing thing has been a big one that's affected me like all through my 20s because like um, trying to be like a high performance athlete, it's difficult when you can't breathe and like, and if you have to breathe through your mouth and your, your throat's getting dry and you, and uh, I've heard that like your body isn't able to 
use the oxygen as efficiently if you're breathing through your mouth versus through your nose. So I felt like that affected my performance, and I feel like now I know, okay, if I just eat only meat, like, I'll be good, and I'll, I'll, you know, I won't be experiencing all that stuffiness, and I'll, I'll be feeling clear and being able to breathe well. And as you know, as an athlete, too, like, I always try to, like, like, like people who are athletes get it, people who, who aren't really athletes, and at, like, the level where it's, like, the demand is absurdly high, and I know you know what that's like, where even the thought going through your mind that you might not be performing at your optimal level because now you're starting to breathe through your mouth, mm. how that chips away at you while you're doing what you're doing because now you've thought about it yeah. is like, it's bananas. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm like, you know what that feels like. As soon as you feel that for the first time, like, you know that process is happening or you know that's you or you know you'll get to that while you're doing what you're doing. Like, when you don't have to think about that anymore, your performance goes up twice as or twice as high because now you're not thinking about it anymore and it's not happening mm-hmm. yeah so only negatively affecting you another interesting thing that i noticed was um from all the concussions that i've had and like from like the permanent ligament damage i had my neck typically like I'll, I'll 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 experience neck pain most of the time throughout the week and i'll have headaches on and off but i found after like the first week or two on the carnivore diet my headaches went down significantly and i was having a lot less neck pain as well like I wasn't needing to treat self treat my neck as much. Um, like it was just feeling less sore. I don't know if that was because we had a few weeks off of like, you know, there's no sports going on, there's no real activity going on because of the whole COVID thing. Mm-hmm. So that could have been a factor in like the neck soreness. But I found that just like my overall body soreness and especially like my headaches and my neck, it, it that decreased as well with the, the primary plant based or sorry, primarily meat based diet. See, and those are interesting and like as soon as you say it it's like well, but there's this time off hockey, and, you know, like, you're on this carnivore diet, you know, like, like, is it one or the other, you know, like, but, like, that's why, you know, like, like, what you're doing is continuing on to say, okay, well, you know, I'm going to experiment a little bit just to see, okay, well, I'm going to add things in, I'm going to take things out, I'm going to see how this affects when life gets back to normal, and maybe you run, like, another 30 days on a carnivore diet once you're playing hockey to kind of see, well, is it that, mm-hmm. you know, because, like, wouldn't there be some invaluable information to be able to give people who are suffering from concussions, like, you know, this may not work for you. I have no idea why it works for me, really. But all I can tell you is that it does work for me. Mm-hmm. Because you have, like, real-time experience behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's all about that, yeah, experimentation and, and, and finding out. Because, um, like we were talking about earlier, it's so difficult to go off any kind of studies for diets. You really need to kind of be the guinea pig yourself mm-hmm. and, and just experiment with different things. And, and, you know, some things might seem completely out in left field, but it might actually work. You don't know. Yeah, that is a, a really good point because a lot of people always want to again like be told what to do or know what to do or like read something online. But like I, I've always said, like like nobody can tell you how to eat. You need to figure it out because everybody's demands and everybody's bodies are always like everything is different for everybody. Like male, female, young, old, desk job, construction job. You know, like you know, do you play sports? Do you not play sports? Like all of these things come into play what time of year it is, like, these things, like, and diet always changes, like, like, there is a component, like, you have this base that you kind of follow, but things fluctuate, like, in and out of that, and we never just stay in one lane, and we know that now, and that's usually what diet was before, I'm going to choose this one diet, I'm going to be on it for the rest of my life, and if I'm not, I'm not successful, you know, like, now we know, it's like, we do need to make these tweaks during the year, because it's like, you know, now that this COVID-19's 
come along and everything's closed down. Well, yeah, like a lot of people probably do need to adjust their diet, you know, because you're not either not going to work, you're not playing your sport, you're not doing either one of those things, or you know, like now you might be walking more, you know, like you might be outside getting more fresh air, you might be throwing the frisbee or playing ball with your kids, you might be some who knows what, but like you know, it's either made you less active or more active or active in different ways. Well, like all of these things come into play, you know, and like I have changed very little in my life. You know, but except for my diet, and I'm up 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, it's like I'm doing something that most people want to argue that's healthier for me, but I've gained 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. So to me, I don't like that standpoint. So that makes me more unhealthy as a person because now I've gone to a place where I don't want to go, which is heavier, slower. You know, like I feel better, but like I'm not going to move as good. You know, I'm not going to play my sport as good. When when I'm not playing my sport is good, my mental health isn't there, because now I'm frustrated about why I'm not playing at my, like, the normal level that I usually am, mm-hmm. in all these things, right, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so, overall, like, I, I had a really good experience on the carnivore diet, um, and I recommend people, you know, at least do some research into it, um, check out some other people that have also um, had, you know, some, have posted their accounts of the carnivore diet, um, and, and if you think it's something that might work for you, then I'd, I'd highly recommend at least trying it for 30 days um, and just seeing how your body reacts. But awesome. I'm not a doctor, so <laughs> consult with your doctor. <laughs> yeah, you know, and just experiment, right? You know, even like our doctors don't know our bodies like we know our bodies, so we're always going to have to experiment. But like you said, you know, always, you know, making sure that people are in the loop who should be in the loop while you're doing these things on yourself, right? So, mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ethan. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Blake. Cheers. You got any beer left? Oh, you're out of here. Cheers and empty glass. Cheers. Cheers.